Yeah, sure. Yeah, it works. <laughs> that was, I, I it didn't have my club, my high five, or my club, yeah, my self five. Um, it didn't have like the the oomph to it that I would like. It's not like a glasses clink to reference your other no. podcast. Yeah, let's just let's reference every podcast. It's not like there's not like twenty minutes of interesting conversation uh, that I'm having with my hands right now. We could re- mention other podcasts. Too. Yeah, we like, could because uh, we actually, like, uh, I think we have someone who might have a podcast that's in the room with you. Mm-hmm. Her name's Adair. She has Dizzy Channel original <laughs> friendship, everyone. Give her a round of applause. You're in the room with Adair? No. Nope. Yeah. <laughs> Alyssa, when did you get here? Wait, whoa, Alyssa, what's I up? I thought you were the delivery guy. <laughs> he just lets people sit down with him and just like hang out for a little bit. Why do He's you, very lonely. Why do you lonely. think I ordered enough food? Hang out, guy. Hang out. It's all right. It's enough for everyone. <laughs> so so I guess the, uh, the underlying uh, thing we've learned is Dan is very lonely. And, uh, yeah, uh, I, I want to take a note and ask you, why is there this theory that I'm going to Kubrick you? With uh, the, the film Moana, that you were going to tie me to a chair and have my eyes. Yeah, no, but, like, am I that, like, violent about it? You're, you're insistent. I wouldn't say you're violent. Okay, because I just, I just can't see myself, like, restraining a human being. Fist fights usually start as word fights. That's all I'm saying. Hmm. And then you get words struck. Oh, sorry, I was bad. I was so bad. It's okay, you edit. You can take that well, out. Well, and, and brainwashing no, almost always it. starts with a true conviction. So you were like, <laughs> if I ha- he wasn't going to get the game together. Yeah, no, it's very true. It's very true. Yet it, it took you. Um, I do have to say, though, I'm, I'm curious if you were waiting until we podcasted to tell me how you felt about Moana. Of course, no spoilers. Yeah, yeah, because it's, uh, so you saw Moana, and I'm really nervous. I'm really nervous about your feelings about (laughs) Moana. So first, let's examine those nerves. I mean, I don't know what, do you feel like it's going to nullify our friendship or just make it hard to move forward if I don't like it as much as you? I am afraid that you're going to use this as a way to be mean to me because I'm so on board with this film. He's gonna do that no matter what. Well, yeah, that's true. That's true. He just like he is not a person I go to for like for kindness and support. (laughs) He's not that friend. Oh, oh, really? (laughs) Really? I'm kidding. I am fucking delightful. You really are. You really are. I have more support than an underwire sports bra. I know that's not a thing, but. Still. I mean, I'm sure if you have a very large uh, bust, you probably need to get that because there's only so much material. But I don't mm-hmm. know. That's just not a problem I suffer. Alyssa, do you do you have any insight? <laughs> no comments. <laughs> Man, I didn't realize the camera on this thing was zeroed in like that. I'm just going to push this up a little for you, Alyssa. Sorry, Adair. So you really ner- you're genuinely nervous for well, what I thought I, about I'm Disney just, animated. I film. mean, the fact that you are withheld the info for the podcast it makes me makes me feel some things. Um, so I'm I'm gonna tell you some things that I liked, and I'm gonna tell you some things that I didn't like. Okay. And I, and I just I just want you to be okay. Uh, okay. I mean, if we've covered one thing this week, I'm definitely not okay. But continue. <laughs> None of us are ever okay. <laughs> Yeah. I liked most of the music. I thought the music was really good. Mm -hmm. Um, I was a little irritated with Lin-Manuel's singing just because I I, I like Lin-Manuel, but I I want him to rap. I don't really care for his singing. I mean, he's not, he's not like a great singer. It's not, but it's also like, we're not like pulling a La La Land where we're like, he's not a great singer. That's why it's so great. Right, right. It's not, it's not how we're Um, selling it. Same with Dwayne The Rock Johnson. Well, well cast, not a great singer. That's okay. I think he's, I think his enthusiasm sold that, the You're Welcome. Yeah. Yeah, I would I would agree with that. Um, I liked the pursuit of uh, a skill along the way with the quest. I liked that she was learning how to sail, and that it was a thi- it was it was a task driven but skill driven quest. You know, mm-hmm. versus just 
oh, you have to get strong enough or you have to beat such and such. It had both. It had, oh, you have to do this thing and you're going to have to get really good at something along the way. You have um, to survive a flight a of the Concords of, episode. A really weird it one. It has a lot of parallels to Hercules. It does. Similar songs, too. Similar art. Similar art. Yeah, the, um, the tapestries reminded me of the muses. Or, yeah, the muses. Oh, yeah. And the yeah. opening um, the opening art. And any time that they switched into the tattoo art or anything mm-hmm. like that. Yeah, it, t- it totally felt like that. Um, yeah, stunning animation. Really well animated. Uh, especially water, which is a difficult thing to do in a compelling way. I didn't love the ocean as a character, but I loved the way the ocean was animated. It was stunning. I liked the ocean at the beginning with the baby Moana. Like, that was adorable. baby Moana so cute. So, so cute. Yeah, she's really adorable and really likes shells. They put a flower in her hair so we know she's a girl. Right? (laughs) (laughs) I I turned to Alyssa, I was like, I think those are the first female nipples they've shown in a Disney movie. (laughs) (laughs) That's fantastic. Uh, they've got nipples in this movie things that I didn't like I don't see those boats surviving for a thousand years in a cave and being intact that bothered me at least the ropes would deteriorate at least Um, yep yep okay that was the first time I was I was upset during the film where I was I was just like no no they've been in a cave for a thousand years no you're just the- a little curmudgeoning about it <laughs> he's the Brad just- Garrett of our podcast channel <laughs> just just make it a magic boat just make the boat magic and I would accept it but I do not accept that wayfaring equipment like that would just sit in a cave for a thousand years and be fully functional. We're talking no leaks, no warpage, no deterioration. I mean, I think the argument could be made that they did make it a magical boat because she hit a drum and came out with, came out of the cave with all this knowledge of her ancestors. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, just be... assumed that the drum was also a bong. Does that... Magic. It's magic. <laughs> it's if a gram- magic If grandma drum. says, go into a cave and hit that. <laughs> yeah. And then she dies and I'm just like, okay. Yeah, pretty quick, too. Yeah, they, they made it in a way that wasn't, like, too awful, but I was just like, okay, I had to. It was no, it was no Bambi's had... mom, but yeah, it was a little, uh. Yeah. Oh, are you kidding me? It killed me. I, I when ball the, every single when time the I see that. When the stingray comes out. And, uh, yep. Yeah. The whole, yeah. The whole scene where where she she goes and visits her and oh god ugh, all the yeah, grandma so, scenes they kill um, me have Alyssa, are you familiar with uh hunt for the wilder people the taika watiti movie i uh have heard of it i missed my chance to see it in billings so um it's on hulu, it it's on hulu um okay. i will give you my hulu account information if it means you'll watch it but no i've got it uh all right great it's a great film but the child protective service agent um who is hilarious and very uh, she's she's great a great comedic actress but she's the grandmother and you wouldn't expect it because she's not an older woman um Hmm. like she's middle age but she's amazing and i thought she was just so great and so she hit me in this this thing that they tell me i have right here that keeps me alive a lung yeah it doesn't work great but i mean i'm breathing in the lung (laughs) got me right in the lung Oh, um, I really liked how far I'll go. I didn't like that they reprised it twice, though. So quickly. I didn't like that they reprised it so quickly. I could have done it if it was later on, but they reprised it like ten and a half minutes after they first did it. Which to me was just like, oh, okay, so you couldn't write another song. You just, okay, that's, no, I mean, that's fine. That's fine. That's mm-hmm. That's been an increasing issue with me and disney animated films is not a not a big enough soundtrack i still I know like it's it not though. drastically less than we're used to from the the disney renaissance the golden age mm-hmm. but it's i i feel it. It, it you know the musical theater kid in me misses additional numbers especially i gotta say shiny was just not a good villain number especially since he didn't stick around you know i like i mean at know, the end of the credits he comes back well I didn't watch through the end of the credits. Yeah. I, don't, I don't know what you're talking about. Do you think there really was an opportunity in the storyline to have a villain song? Because I, I don't oh. think that um, 
whatever yeah. his name is, the crab fits at he's Crow- not the villain. Crow- he's Crow- just Toa. an obstacle. I think he's not a villain. He's just yeah. he's just an obstacle. I feel like. Yeah. He's so like, you're, you're in, if we're going to relate it to Hercules, it's like the Hydra. It's not the big bad. It's just this obstacle. Yeah. So, no. so perhaps there was an opportunity to have some sort of uh, a narrator song or, or someone uh, telling the story of the island dying or to have um, the lava monster. Yeah. I would love the, I would love the lava monster to just have broken into song and you know made it. I don't like... I don't know how. I mean, I, it, that could have been a real like be prepared thing. Yeah, I mean, it could have been awesome. I, I I honestly think the fact that the lava that uh, uh um oh gosh Taka, I honestly yeah. feel like the fact that Taka didn't speak made Taka scarier. Yeah, yeah. I am. Um, I'm not sure how I feel about. Taka being um, Tafiti. Tafiti. I thought spoilers. that was right. Moana spoilers, everyone. Um, <laughs> movie came out in November, guys. If you haven't seen it, well, you're Dan saw it. He was you're the last one, so yeah, <laughs> I, was, I was the last one. Internet. So good job. No, I thought <laughs> I thought it was fine. I didn't think it was the be all end all. Um, it it has some great moments and some funny moments. And I think Moana is a really great character. I, here's what I'll say. Moana is a great character. Moana is an okay movie. In my opinion, I felt, felt like she was a really good character, but as far as I get that him getting his hook back was like the necessary part of the story to set up him to be redeemed because you needed to show that he was being obstinate would only do it for his own reasons and give him the opportunity to abandon the quest but it was a little i don't know felt a, a little not all over the place but we weren't building towards a singular goal we built towards one goal and then another goal and that final goal was a little bit of a misdirect and i didn't feel the momentum of the story carrying us forward to that one, you know, there was no beast transformation. There was no Ursula getting stabbed. Um, I'm thinking of other Disney moments. Um, the defeat of Scar and the claiming of the throne. Um, like that pivotal thing that the whole movie was building towards. But we had to build towards the one thing first and then have that send us over here. And it just felt a little... I guess I I can agree how you see that. I guess for me, I saw this film as a lot of the obstacles that occurred, the hook, the uh, um, the little crazy pygmy creatures that took the chicken, like those yeah. things. This movie sounds great when the, I explain it. The Mad it. Max clan. Yeah, yeah the, ma- right. the, the ma- Mad Max uh, Fury Ocean. Um, Mad Max but, Pirates. Fury Tide. Uh, yeah, Ooh, Fury, Fury Tide. Tide. Nice. <laughs> I like that. Mad Max Fury Tide. Um, uh, I felt like it was all this idea of she was training it was the bigger training for her to become a chief honestly like i saw it as like she was guiding she was guiding maui she was learning compassion she was understanding both the roots of her heritage as voyagers while also becoming a stronger person and that she needed this and it was sort of it's sort of like with hercules becoming a god um making the choices to become what you're supposed to be but that she needed to just as much as like Maui needed to learn these things, like he needed her to become the person that he should be as well. But I guess I saw it more as this gaining to become the chief that this this group of people needed because they were so stuck in the traditions um, to kind of make way for a new a new start for them. Okay, I got a little I got a little out there. Um, continue. Uh, that's no, that, it's okay. that was how I saw it. Yeah, I guess my counter to that would be, like, um, with Simba, he's rejected royalty, right? He has mm-hmm. actively walked away from it, and he has to be called, or really, if you rewatch that movie, seduced into going back um, and doing what he's supposed to. And with Hercules, it's 
he has to prove himself to be a god, and there's very much that threshold. Like, she's going to be chief no matter what. She's already doing the chiefly things. And so her becoming a better candidate for chief or more qualified or more adept. Um, while a noble pursuit, I don't think we were set up appropriately for the payoff. Like, a line from her dad, brilliantly played by Django Fett. Um, just saying, you're, you'll be our greatest chief ever. You're going, you, you are more the chief than I will ever be. Um, you know, you're the, you're the, going to be the top chief there, kiddo. I, I'm not sure that really fits in their culture though, that there's a competition between past and present chiefs. I'm, I'm not, I'm not saying, I'm not sure it fits with that narrative. Um, and I also don't think you're an expert on Polynesian culture. I think but... that I've watched more of the special features than you did. But... <laughs> well, whenever you're done appropriating someone else's culture, I'll be over here talking about a Disney movie. Anyway, um, <laughs> but I, I, I will say that I think uh, whether she was going to be the chief or not, I don't think was at stake. But whether her heart was going to be with her chiefliness, her chieftainessness. Ness. <laughs> um, whether she was whether she flipped. really wanted to be with her people or on the ocean like her, she was torn she loves her people and that's I, that's her her song at the end i'm a girl who loves these two things and this is the story of her learning how she can have both those things and how really both thing both of those things need each other too yeah well simba didn't get his dad back that's all i'm saying well, you know what? She didn't get her grandma yeah. back. She just came back as a ghost for a second, and Mufasa just came back in the clouds. So uh, she she got a manta ray pretty well. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> like, she got, yeah, she got. She to hangs hang. out with the manta ray several times. I mean, who of us <laughs> doesn't want to hang out with a manta ray? Steve Irwin. <laughs> uh, yeah. Too soon? Nah, that was too soon. Nah, I think I think about a decade is is the time. Do you see his sons all grown up? Yeah, son and his daughter are all grown up. It's wow, it's crazy. weird how children become start as babies and then they become kids and then they and become no adults. matter what you do, I think I've seen a Disney movie about that. Children will. <laughs> yeah, listen. actually, I think I've seen a musical number where a lion starts out as a baby and becomes a teen lion with a little mane. Like a little main hawk. And some and peach then, fuzz. And then, <laughs> and then he becomes a lion. And he's all of a sudden no longer Jonathan Taylor Thomas, but is in fact Matthew Broderick. Which, mm-hmm. if only that's how the world worked. Upgrade! <laughs> Sweet! Speaking of, the Lion King, Billy Eichner's gonna be Timon? I'm over this. <laughs> I can just... <laughs> Look at these lions! What are they doing? <laughs> Excuse like me, it. sir, sir. Is Zazu really a bird, or is he just a is he just a mere cat with feathers on? I really want them to do Timon on the street, just like uh, him, uh, Timon, uh, Timon on the Timon on, on the savannah. Street, 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 Timon on the street. savannah. He just runs around. Hello, hello. <laughs> What's with Lapita Excuse me, Miss. Why are you gazelles in such a hurry? <laughs> <laughs> um. I did appreciate when I texted you and said nothing else and just said, Fuck it, uh, 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 fucking Josh Brolin. And, and you knew exactly what I was talking about. I'm just, I mean, of all the choices for cable, it's like Ryan Reynolds, no one's trying to steal Deadpool from you, but at least give us someone with a chance. Like, go with a, I don't know, someone who's not already in a Marvel, an active current Marvel property. Even Is it, like, considered the big bad of, like, the big Marvel franchise? Not a great big bad. Yeah. He's I underwhelming. Mean, so I, I cannot wait for him to be underwhelming as Cable. I mean, I love him in No Country. I think that he's he's quite good in No Country. Yes, that movie he did like a decade ago was really good, but I'm not going to say that he deserves to have two large franchises. Well, who really deserves that? I mean, honestly, there's a reason that the third Sherlock Holmes movie hasn't happened yet. The world said, Robert Downey Jr., no, you get one. You have to pick. Um, Tell that to Chris Pine, because that dude did not get the memo. Apparently not. He's just like, yeah. He just keeps doing things. Yeah. But, I mean, to be fair, Star Trek is waning pretty hard. Fourth movie is unlikely, I think. I thought it was built to be three movies. Well, I mean. Aren't we all built to be three movies? 
I'd prefer to be six seasons in a movie myself. Okay, community. <sighs> we can dream. So can't we? broadly, un- like unliked. <laughs> well, yeah. Hey, I'm watching I'd the like fourth season right now, and again, and yeah. you know, it's not I as mean, good I as lo- the other. I love Community, but yeah, yeah I mean, like, I, few and far between. If you guys were Community characters, who would you be? You can choose hybrids too, because they're complex characters. Starburns. Of course, of course. My name is Alex. <laughs> How to fake one's death? Ah, <laughs> uh, no. I'd be a, I'd, I'd be a, a Jeff. I wish there was more hybrid to me, but I'm just kind of a rat bastard. You are kind of Jeffy, yeah. I'm pretty Jeffy. Wah, wah. Yeah. I mean, he, he definitely, there was a, a really great sentiment in the last episode I watched uh, that, you know, I've watched before, but, you know, layers and you learn new things. But I was just like, oh, yeah, kind of like Dan. It's the it's the episode the unbreakable episode where Abed realizes like they're all connected, yep. and, and Troy's like, "Wait, you were out there and you didn't try to find me." <laughs> Was so great. Uh, I I'm, unless I'm with, if I'm with Austin, then we are Troy and Abed. But yeah, what about you, Alyssa? Oh, uh, I like Annie. Wish I were a Brita. But I'm Annie. <laughs> I feel like I'm Annie Abed. It's my it's my obscure pop culture references that no one in this house likes. Annie Abed is a hybrid. Cool, cool, cool. cool. Uh, anyway, let's segue real nicely into writing. Whoop, whoop, whoop. Well, I don't think it's really of writing. Yeah. No, no, you don't think it's really what. I didn't think my segue was very good if I just announced that I'm going to segue. I, I think I think you should record that siren like three pops and do that when you switch into writing. Just every time. Sounds like some emergency, emergency responder is here and we're going to talk about writing. Jaren's. No, we should just do like a Job clip because he's always on a segue. So we just Job clip it and then people will know we just segued. Um, illusions, Michael. <laughs> there you go. Thank you. So just do a Job quote, and then we segue. All right. Dad, you don't have time for my illusions. <laughs> yep. Edit. Alyssa's a writer. That's a way we can segue that. <laughs> hey, Alyssa. Hey, Alyssa. I hear you're a writer. Who told you? <laughs> my blog. My blog that she wrote on. Huh. Oh, you yeah. Know I forgot that I you did know, that. <laughs> Wow, I'm really glad it was super memorable for you. Um, lot, folks. <laughs> no. we well, you know what's lot. funny, Alyssa, is you and I have actually in person met once at Dan's reception, which I think yeah. is, you know, a great time to meet people. I met a lot of great people, um, all of whom, you know, I avoid avidly now. But anywho, um, yeah. um, Austin. Um, but... Anyway, so, but then you wrote on the blog a few times, so I feel like I know you, and, like, better than I probably should feel I know you, but I get really, I got really excited, I was like, oh, it's Alyssa, and then I was just realizing, this is the longest Alyssa and I have ever spoken to each other. Yeah, well, I, I mean, I listen to your podcasts, yeah. plural, I, I, all the time, and so I'm like, I feel like I know a dare, she's, yeah, she's a Ravenclaw all over the place. Oh, yeah, I, I do, I did, like, when you're like, there's no question that a dare's a Ravenclaw. <laughs> Riley's like, I'm still getting to learn things. That was a great conversation. Well, um, a few times I've been engaged on Twitter. Yeah, uh, I think it's the our uh, your podcast and then your Instagram and how you and I are almost always reading the same book. And I'm really? just like, I'm like, this is creepy. Well, like there, it was so weird. The day I started reading, the sun is also a star. You posted on your Instagram, and I was like, shit. Like, that's really weird that she did that. But yeah, there's just certain, like, and you, I can't remember, there was a quote from the beginning of a book that you were reading that I had just finished. Yeah, I I like, I like uh, sharing epigraphs, dedications, and when I start a new book. Um, Yeah, there are some really good dedications. I've been reading Christopher Moore. I just read Fool. 
and his little biography where he's like the oldest uh, child prodigy at 35 writing his first novel or something. I was like, that's amazing. <laughs> oh, that's and that's great. exactly what I want my, my biography to be. So yeah, I feel like I know you because I mean, we interact so much on the social medias and we have podcasts that are siblings. I actually, in my most recent podcast of Disney Channel Original Friendship, I try and figure out if Word Struck is our brother or sister podcast, and then I give up and I say sibling. I think it's our sister podcast, but... <laughs> but I mean... Definitely a sister podcast. But I, I don't really... Because, I mean, like, you you and Austin, you're totally, you know, the younger brother podcast that we're like, get out of my room now. <laughs> yeah. I'd like to think the developmentally disabled oldest brother, since it is the oldest show. Yeah, that's true, but, I mean, you've got the most energy of any of us. Well, and and then Clark and... It's that uncle uh, that you're like, stop talking about NPR. <laughs> stop. See, I think they're like, they're like, either like the older male co- cousin or like the firstborn son that, like, the parents wait, like, the oops, joke? baby, early. <laughs> and then they waited a long time and had all the rest of us responsible. Ooh, that might be it, yeah. And I ha- so they've, they've got, like, some some maturity on us in some ways. <laughs> That's true. We all looked up. That was the mm-hmm. one that I was I had just finished, which I was like, this is really? not terribly accurate to Seattle, but okay. I, I have not finished that one yet because... Uh, there, there's a scene in there right after they figure out that, that the asteroid is legitimately threatening and then, and they deliver that news through an Obama speech. And when I read that, I I was like, I don't believe that this sounds like Obama at all. And it kicked me out so hard and slammed the door. And I was like, I gotta, I gotta set this down because this person does not know how to write a president. And yeah, and, and yeah, it's the not editor great. did not help them understand that they don't know how to write a president, so they need to figure out a different way to do it or make up a president or make up a president. Yeah. Don't make it. It could present. totally sound like your president. Just make one up. Yeah. Well, that's how he talks. Yeah. He talks. Uh, he talks generically presidential. It's what got him elected. It's, I mean, I, I think that they were trying to go for a, an aggressive familiarity with the reader of, like, this is happening now in your world, but mm-hmm. it, it... It didn't really it, work. It I think, backfired. honestly, yeah. and I honestly think they could have easily done it through, like, I mean, Seattle. They could have done an NPR newscast that they happened to be listening to or something like that, because God knows that's everywhere. Um, mm-hmm. Just something like that that would be a little bit more generic and a little uh, could kind of keep you in it more. But I agree that that was rough and not great. <laughs> so I haven't. I, I admit I haven't finished that one yet. I sort of put it put a pin on it, pin in it, and I'll be back. It ends super later. well. Really? Okay. That is motivating. Yeah, everyone like is super happy. It you know it's it basically. Have you seen Armageddon? It's like that. <laughs> it's how it ends. <laughs> With an awesome Aerosmith track riffing over the top of the credits. Which is humorous because Liv Tyler's father is the lead singer of Aerosmith. Is I that wonder... humorous or is that Hollywood back Nepotism? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. It's I'll do the movie, but daddy has to do the music. Thank you, daughter. That's my Steven <laughs> Tyler. Thank you, daughter. Megan gets really worked up every time she talks about Armageddon. She gets like, she like almost cries. It's a weird, it's... It's it's the many layers of Megan. Loves horror films, cries at Armageddon. Armageddon, what a good disaster movie though. Talk about stakes. Um, Deep Impact also like scared the living bejesus out of me when I was growing up. Like the scene yeah. where they're on the asteroid and one of them gets untethered and gets I mean, spoiler alert if you haven't seen this movie from the nineties where Elijah Wood discovers an asteroid. But uh and then he's like, uh, the shot is from inside the helmet, and the guy's just screaming because he's just lost in space at that point. And that was like the biggest fear of my life. And so when someone was like, hey, did you see Gravity? I'm like, no, because have you ever seen Deep Impact? That is literally my biggest fear, is to just be like stuck, untethered in space. With George Clooney would be great. For the whole family. Mm. Yeah, anyway, so Alyssa, you're a writer. (laughs) Uh, True, I guess, yeah. (laughs) You actually, you get paid to write. 
No, I don't. You you telling me that nothing has appeared in the Gazette that you didn't write? Not with my name on it. That's fine. <laughs> I I get paid to edit. Um, Still great. Yeah, no, I love it. I'm not I'm not gonna slam that, but I, uh, yeah. So I do that, and then um, I'm trying to write a book. I'm in the middle of second draft and life is very busy. And so I don't know how people do this and also have jobs. It's bonkers. They don't. They don't. They're just very poor. Yeah. That's probably true. That's, that's, I I care too much about this other job. Yeah. I think you have to really not like your other job. Done. (laughs) Let's talk about that. How's your job going, Dan? It's okay. How's it, uh, how's it feeling your creative fire? Uh, it is, you know that, that point of exhaustion where whatever comes out is just going to be honest? Because mm-hmm. you do have no time for pretense when you're just so fed up or sick of the world or whatever. Today at work, somebody was trying to mess around with the soundboard in my event space to try and play music. Did and you I kill them? Went, no, I said, don't touch that. Please don't touch that. And he was not listening to me. And I said, don't touch the fucking soundboard. Oh, huh? what, what? Oh, no, man, we're not doing anything. I was like, yes, he was. Back away. Get away. Step back. What do you want to happen? We will make it happen. Like, do you want me to bite you? Because that's what's going to happen if you keep up with this. That is thousands of dollars worth of equipment that you're twisting the nipples on just leave it alone this isn't a game boy holmes stop it Uh, and i gave a really good performance in my acting class the other day because it was yeah from a place of exhaustion it was a piece that lent itself to that so i was just like fuck it i have no nothing to hide behind no pretense no told a co-worker i was gonna throw him down an elevator shaft the other day so I just, uh, I'm just inviting everyone to come look at the, the fallow plot of land whereupon my fucks once grew. But now they have been invaded and trampled over by a warring, warring nation. And the earth has been salted. So no more fucks shall grow in this field. All right. <laughs> Gotta earn that stuff. explicit rating. <laughs> that's, that's powerful stuff. Some have called me the Georgia O'Keeffe of my generation. You know what? What I say when I'm drunk is really not up for grabs on this podcast. <laughs> Unless I am drinking, which I am not. Well, that's fair. Yeah. No, I get that. I had an existential crisis this week. You knew that. And Tell me just about sort it, of was though. like, uh, uh, I had a conversation with someone who is incredibly pleasant and lovely and who I've had many great conversations with, who is also a very talented writer. Very great guy. Um, But I went in for coffee and started talking to him, and I had mentioned that I was doing this poetry on buses thing that night. And he proceeded not... There was a pause. There was some other aspect of our conversation. And then he started talking about how poetry was a dead medium essays were soon to follow like basically it's just pretension and you can edit things to sound pretty and people will think that they have they're profound and it's just such a manipulative way to write and also and he's and he's acknowledges like he was like well and I sound pompous just saying this but he was basically just like completely he's like the culture in Seattle is just so it's just so involved in itself and just all of these things and it basically at the time, I didn't really defend anything. I was so, like, unaware of how to approach this conversation. And I just, and I kind of found myself not agreeing, but just sort of, like, being like, okay, yeah, like, this is this is a hard part about it. This is a hard part about it. And then uh, realizing as the day progressed, it just started resting on me more and more. And it just kind of like overwhelmed me to this point of if what I'm doing is like a dead medium, if what I do is stupid or just so easily manipulated uh, to sound like it's interesting, like if there's actually no point to it, why am I doing it? And then I had to go 
to an event and basically be like, yeah, this is a great thing. And also people pay attention to you when you have like stickers on you that say like, oh, I wrote a poem and it's on a bus and woo. And I don't like attention being drawn to me in large groups. And it makes me very uh, anxious. And so I basically just ended up having a, a psychotic break at this event and just had to leave. I'm like, I can't do it. I can't, I can't be here. I don't know what I believe in anymore. It was roughly how I assume if I lost faith in my religion. When I, if I had started questioning my religion, it's how I would feel. Hi, Mom. I have so many thoughts. Um, yeah, and I really want to hear them. Um, that's, wow, that sounds so much more sarcastic than I, and I do really want to hear them. No, right, sorry. I, I, I buy it. It's okay. Um, uh, so this whole thing, I then, you know, Dan got to hear part of it, and then I just sort of, like, laid it out the next day, and, like, this is how I'm feeling, and I don't know, like, what to do. I don't know if I should keep writing. I don't know. I don't know what to say about any of this. It's so overwhelming because I don't think in any way I'm like one of the great poets of a generation or anything like that or like a good essayist like I don't think anything I'm gonna do is gonna make me a whole lot of money but I just felt like when someone says that and then and this person was not meaning to like and I know if he knew the existential crisis that I that resulted from that conversation I know you'd feel awful but if that's how a majority of the population feels, I was just like, what am I doing? And it was just so, I was like, this is a thing that I actually feel defines me. And so to, it's sort of like, I mean, I guess, I don't mean to make it so, so super dramatic, but I assume it's like when there's like this attributing factor to you, like if, uh, like, oh, I'm, I'm married. I am a wife, I'm a wife, I'm a wife. And then your spouse cheats on you and you're like, I'm not a wife anymore. Like, the, like this is person I'm not going to be with them. Like, this is a thing I was, and now I'm not. Like, that's what it feels like to me, where I was like, am I not a writer anymore? Is that a thing that's stupid? And so it, it, I never questioned being a writer until Monday. <laughs> and then all of a sudden I started questioning it. Like, I, I never thought I'd be, like, a successful writer, but I've, I never questioned being a writer, I guess. And that's my biggest thing is this idea of, really questioning this thing that I believe in and this thing that was constant in my life when my life like just felt like there was nothing to believe in. So, yeah, so that's my, that was my week. It, it sounds like this, this person was, it sounds like this person was speaking about a vulnerability mm-hmm. that he has and a concern that he has. And it, like, it sounds really personal. Like, you don't have opinions like that about poetry if you haven't sort of entrenched yourself in poetry i don't think i don't think you can you you have a i don't think people have these sort of sidelines opinions on poetry it's sort of a a small it's a niche and if you're not if you're not engaging with it at all then you're not you don't have an opinion on it maybe i'm wrong there but I, I would bet that this person has struggled a little with wanting to be creative in some way and felt kicked for it. And that's how he's coped, is forming this other wall of, well, nothing penetrates and this city is a giant echo chamber of weird and it's and and carefully curated internet yeah no i mean that's uh, that's interesting i hadn't really thought about it that way but that is an interesting take on it i just i'm trying to think about like why why like you say you created something and you're and it's getting celebrated it's gonna get shared and his instant reaction is all of that is meaningless like i i don't think people react that way if, if like, and they might not mean it malicious, maliciously. They might not actually understand that they're like, that this is the place that they're coming from, even. But it it sounds like he's maybe built yeah, a wall. Yeah, no, that's possible. And, but anyway, um, I, that's me reading motive into what he said. Um, the other thing I wanted to say is I don't think that we have to. I mean, I, I'm, I'm an editor for a newspaper, and so I'm very concerned about uh, what sort of meaning people derive from the things that we write. And, you know, are we of any value at all to the world around us? And if we're not, what's the point? Um, but I think as a creative, that, that bar is in a different place. It might not be lower, but it's maybe located on a different ladder of... I 
if it has meaning to someone and your your effort and what you're putting into it and how it's affecting your life contributes to that. And so if it's something, if you're telling a story you feel compelled to tell, or if you're playing with phrase that you just feel drawn to, I don't like that might be meaning enough. It might not be sustaining. It might not be enough to, you know, feed you. What? I thought poetry, I thought love and poetry could feed me. (laughs) What about my dogs? Man cannot live on poetry alone. That's the quote. Got to take some prose for that. Yep. You also need wine. <laughs> also need wine. <laughs> so, I mean, and I, I know that you know that, but I, I just wanted to make sure that you don't discount you, what you, your spiritual needs as well and, and your creative needs and what you're putting into this matters. And so if it's something that means nothing to you, that that's maybe a different conversation to have, but it clearly means something to you. So I wouldn't say ever believe that it's meaningless thanks Alyssa I think I needed to hear that little plug for a wonderful woman named Jill Hodges who despite giving birth to Clark (laughs) I was about to say that's an interesting last name (laughs) she is a incredibly talented painter Uh, Alyssa's been over to Clark's uh, childhood home and her paintings are everywhere her drawings of her children of landscapes she's versatile she's extremely talented but the paintings of hers I love the most are actually on the walls of her house. Down by the corner where this wall meets a cabinet, she painted a little mouse running away. Above, there's a mouse running across the, t- the line of her uh, washing machine. So it looks like there's a mouse running on the washing machine. And they have a drunk squirrel with a glass of wine that she painted. And nobody's going to see that. Like, she, yeah, they entertain some, they have people over, but especially, like, in the laundry room and stuff, that's not, that's not for anybody else. That's for her. She did that for her. And they're beautiful. They're so neat. And more than being, like, objectively qualified art, more than capturing the form and doing shading and color and all that, all of the craft-based interpretation of the piece... They radiate joy. They really do, and you can see that. But there are plenty of things that I've written or been in that I don't qualify as some lofty artistic pursuit. I'll throw it under the bus right here. The Medora musical is not going to be remembered by scholars as the greatest show on earth. But you got to be on the side of a car. I, I'm still on the side of a like car. Like, your picture is on the... I, I just realized that sounded weird. Your picture is on the side of a car. No, I got clipped by an Uber yesterday. Um, Weren't you Teddy Roosevelt? I I did I did play young TR at one point, and it kills me to have ever portrayed a populist. I, I, I was wondering about... I was wondering about that. Yeah. It didn't uh, sit well it with my soul. It brings me such but joy to there hear were, you say it. There were moments within that, and there were dance moves or notes or harmony sang or whatever. There were technical things within that that were great. And there was a gospel number that brought me legitimate joy. And there were moments that really meant a lot to me. And I know to other people too. There were people who saw that show 30 times over the course of the summer. I don't know why, but they did. They have season ticket holders. It's a bizarre little cult in the West. But there were moments, even in that, even in the worst show I was ever in, (sighs) you know the one, I don't. Um, Please tell me. Into the Woods. Okay. It was so very, very bad. Who were you in Into the Woods? I didn't know that. Who were I you I was in the Into steward. The... Oh, okay. I was the Prince Charming's backup guy. I invented a very elaborate backstory. Oh, that's good. Um, yeah, illegitimate son of the king. Um, mm. so that sounds like something you'd do. father insists that he have this incompetent, uh, incompetent chaperone but it's because he's his secret older brother yeah leads to some complicated feelings yeah (laughs) but i hated that show it was such a good show but our production was just terrible just awful it was so bad but i can say from the audience that i enjoyed it okay some some joy was derived well there you go Not for me i wasn't old enough to buy alcohol at that point but someone found joy 
Were you 21, Alyssa? No. Were you 21 no. when you watched it? No, and I totally only recently got into drinking at shows, so... Oh, okay. Even then, I, like, legitimately enjoyed it. Well, there you go. No alcohol needed, no muss, no fuss. Nothing. So... Well, see, these are good things to know. It's good to know that, you know, so long as you find joy, it's it's legit. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I, and I acknowledge that I've actually really lucked out in that... Put that down. I've really lucked out in that the few people I've talked to about this because this is such a hard thing to approach. And especially if someone doesn't have... They, I mean, everyone's creative in some way or another, but if someone isn't like a writer, a painter, a filmmaker some sort of visual actively yeah. engaged in a specific yeah. creative pursuit it's really hard to explain what you're going through and i don't like to say I, I don't like it to be like oh my pain you just can't understand it but it's really hard to articulate that feeling and i've lucked out in that i the few people i have addressed it with because it's been really yeah hey it's been really weighing on me the the last few days but they've been really They've been really helpful, and it comes from very different places. Whether they're related to me or not, whether they see like the like they're biased and see like this great side of me, or if they just sort of recognize like I'm a fucking human. Uh, it's nice. It's nice to. It's nice to recognize like okay, I, my dogs today. I don't. I don't even know. It's nice. It's nice to know that like people can see these sides of you and like let you be vulnerable about something. Because normally I process this stuff by writing, and I just didn't really have it in me to do it. And so it was nice to talk it out, because that's not normally how I, how I deal with problems. So I, I have, you know, really healthy press-it-down kind of impulses. Let it explode later. That's how you do it. I call it the West Coast Wasp. It's a good dance move. I would like my novels to be read the way I read the novels I love. Mario Vargas. Losa. <laughs> That's terrible. I'm sorry. But yeah, no, I, I, I love that quote. I was, I was digging on it because I'm also trying to be more present when I'm reading my own stuff as well as when I'm reading mine. I'm reading a really great book right now and I was like, I just want to I just want to live in this right now. Yeah. Yeah, I think um, it, it's a sort of dangerous line to walk at the same time, though. Of, of uh, I think we need to think about the reader, but then there's, there's the point at which you hand the story over or the poem over or whatever and sort of relinquish all control. Wanting our stories to be read the way the stories that we love are read <laughs> or this, the way we read the stories we love. I think like I understand the want and I, I think that as writers, we need to try to reach the audiences that in, in an accessible way. And in the way that we like, we should be inspired by people who love or who are drawn to what we write. Um, but I also think that that's a, a really dangerously confining quote. Yeah, it is. I don't know. I think I think it could be really, uh, it, it could keep you, and, and it could really harm you if they don't love the things that you that you write. And and I think that that's that's a that, that's a that's the real source of my anxiety with my book. <laughs> I know not a soul has read a single line from my book because I'm like, you're all gonna hate me after this. <laughs> I can't. Yeah. Is that going to get easier the longer you let nobody read No, it? it's not. But Is that logic harder? has no place in this dojo. So <laughs> that was a, that was a great that was fantastic. Um, you need an acquaintance to read it. That's what you need. Somebody whose opinion doesn't really matter to you. Uh, Good no, thing he's I, sitting I, I, right I next have... to you. <laughs> no, I care way too much about what you think. Why? I don't. Because. Your opinions are, they can be painful if they, if they're not what I anticipate them Dan, to be. Dan, you're very, 
They, they're very you, sharp. You do not have lukewarm feelings about most things. Like, no. which is great you have, if you, you have, like the thing. But it's scary when you don't. And it and, and it's really good critique if you don't like the thing. I'm not I'm not no, saying it's all very educated problematic. But I'm saying that you are a scary person to hand my book over to. Oh, I'm much more supportive of things that I know the individual creators involved. I'm much less I listen, there's A critic and there's B critic. A critic is the analytical structure story junkie that I am. Um and B critic is much more nuancy and nice. See, but I don't want I don't want to sit there and think like now is he being nuancy and nice? And oh no, like I'll trying... ask you what you want. I'll say do you want A critic or B critic? No, but I I don't I don't want to wonder is he masking a harsher truth? I guess. Or or is he dressing a harsher truth as sweetly as possibly as possible? Well, what snippets of your writing I've been allowed to read, I don't think you have it in you to write something that's shit. Mm. I don't think I've ever read anything that was shit. That's that's because the things that I hand over, I'm usually at a point that I'm like, it's not garbage. It could maybe be recycled. <laughs> like, <laughs> that's fair. That's a good barometer. Um, which is why... Which is why I haven't shared this yet. I know that it's not at the place that I can be even remotely proud of it. Like, I can be proud that I have stuck with it as long as but I have. But at a certain point, aren't you going to turn it over to an, to an editor? Yes. Okay. No, it's, it's not going to live in the vacuum of my soul forever. <laughs> I didn't realize I had such a reputation as a critic. I feel like I'm fair. Uh, we're not saying that you're overly harsh or unfair we're saying that you are very articulate with your opinions and to willingly walk into that is you gotta you don't blow smoke up people's ass you gotta want dan you like, don't sorry not typically and and you're talking to two people who greatly value your opinion yeah here and you're in your which i don't here. understand why guys i like speed racer <laughs> that's Neil a Hurst movie, I, like. movie i didn't know that what <laughs> yeah i like speed racer Oh. Again, you accept it for what it is. Oh, man. <laughs> One of the greatest lines in cinema history. No. <laughs> ninja? More like a nonja. Shameful what passes for a ninja these days. John Goodman, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, my gosh. So what you described that Adair would do to you to get you to watch Moana, that's what it felt like to me when my coworkers and peer made me watch Speed Racer. <laughs> I will not sit here for this. <laughs> and also, I'm gonna throw up again. I know it. I'm ah, oh, and I just got all sweaty and hot, and I just had this knot in my stomach, and I've thrown up once. It's getting, it's just getting gross in here. Being old is awful. Right? And Indian food never makes me sick. I don't know what happened. <laughs> Speaking of, it's gonna be Alyssa's birthday on Friday. Do you have any other big mm-hmm. things in New York you guys are gonna do to celebrate? We're going to go see a show tomorrow. Which show? We're sort of torn between two. Maybe you could help us decide. Okay. <laughs> um, one is the the play that goes wrong, mm-hmm. which is a comedy about a, a company putting on a play. And it's just, it it's what the title says. It's everything goes wrong. Um, been really well reviewed. All right. And the other, I can't get all, I don't remember all the words in the title. <laughs> uh, Natasha Pierre and the Great Comet of... 1812. I've heard, I read, I think, an article in The New Yorker about that. I think it. Is that the one? I think so. I think so that it's all. a portion of War and Peace. Staged. Super fun. Uplifting t- stuff. Um... <laughs> Well, that's sort of where we're at. Either, either, well, uh, either Russian or comedy. <laughs> Much like life. Comedy or comedy. Yeah. Huh? Huh? Are you making a comrade joke? Comet. Comets. Oh. Like oh, she's saying comedy or comedy. Comedy tonight. <laughs> oh, wow. So. Uh, I. As I recall, 
everything I know about the New York theater scene, I read in my New Yorkers. And it's like the, my little blurb of like, what are they saying right now? Um, so I've only read uh, about the latter, but it was good. Like what I read, but also that's, that's, it's heavy. It's a, it's heavy. So I guess for me, since you're here to celebrate, I would say, I would say go with your, the first choice. The comedy. Yeah. I would say go comedy, not comedy. But I think no matter what you win, you're in New York, you're with Dan, you're with Courtney, you're with the psychotic kitten. I think you're good. Yes. Uh, Alyssa was commenting on your guys' voices for the cats, and I'm like, yeah, they're pretty great. They're very specific. Everyone who I've lived with, they've given, like, all the same name to their pets. They they do, like, one for all of the pets. They gave them all the same name? (laughs) Exactly. That's confusing. That just seems like a logistical problem. Voice, I'm sorry. Same voice. Well, um, I don't guys... write voice very well, but I do. I do create voice as well. Yeah, that's true. It, and it's, and that indie one stuck. <laughs> Isn't that right, kitten? Don't I do a good job? Yes, it is excellent. It is one of many things you excel at. You were still finalizing the cat voice when I was there last. The cat was still. She is evil. Yeah. I'm actually getting sick, so I can't do her voice properly. Okay, well, all right. So so as to not kill Dan. Uh, I... <laughs> now there's a cough. Ladies and gentlemen, we are going full contagion. Yeah, it's, oh, it's going to make a bad jo- joke along those comedy comedy things. And then coughity. Oh, it got bad. It's Kafka. Well. I am really excited that we all talked about writing. Uh, what is the let's let's do a little round robin uh, before we end this podcast. What was what would you say is the book that made you want to be a writer, or what was the thing you that made you want to be a writer? It could be a movie too. I don't know why or song. I don't. I mean, what what led me to writing was was a requirement in high school to take a, a practical art class, and I took. The, the newspaper and I loved that but um, I do have a book that led me to writing the book that I am writing now oh. and that's John Green's Looking for Alaska uh, I I've Alyssa. finished that book and I, I I think I like skimmed it again after mm-hmm. reading it and then the very next thing that I did was sit, sit down and write the premise for my book that's so I, I, I feel that. I really, I like that. I like that a lot. What about you, Dan? Um, I think at a certain point, late high school, I realized who Quentin Tarantino was and what his story was. And I thought, if that video jockey can be a movie maker, I can, I can do something. And my creative endeavors had always been performing and acting. And I always wondered what, because uh, I do a lot of things that I didn't love. I loved the act of performing, but I didn't love the shows themselves. And um, yeah, Quentin Tarantino was definitely a moment of his kill bill for all its, I won't say flaws. Quirks is a very genuine expression from a single person. Like that is Quentin Tarantino being Quentin Tarantino, which I love that, that sort of freedom exists. A book, though, that made me want to be more of a creative was uh, Three Uses of the Knife. I don't think you've ever mentioned that. I know, never not once, but it was the catalyst for I can write a play. It was the I want to write a play. This is this is something special. So, how about for you, Adair? Well, you've done books and movies. I Mine actually is a country song, which is very unlike me because those who know me know that I'm not really a country song person. But my dad used to play this album, and it was by this, this artist, Jimmy Dale Gilmore. And there's a song, and the, and the uh, chorus is, Babe, you're just a wave, you're not the water. And I'm not sure why, but that hit me. Like, there's something, the, the simplicity of it, but also the message of it. I don't know. I think, like, honestly, that's where it started for me. Hmm. 
And I still, hmm. I still listen to it. My Spotify is super weird. You should send me that song. I, I will. Hear it. I will. Or I'll just play it for you uh, next week. You should, or put a link to the uh, YouTube video of the song in the show notes. So, uh, <laughs> show notes? So people can find it. <laughs> do show we notes. have show notes? I think we do show notes. I think our show notes are just like the ramblings of a madman. It's a crazy Man. wall in text And a link form. that it's won't have any description, but if you click it, you know. You people that's will, to the brave people right will be moved. <laughs> we should also do like a little like illegal torrent of Kill Bill and <laughs> and like the first manuscript of looking for Alaska photocopied in the show notes. <laughs> I think we're good. I feel like this oh, podcast should be sponsored by uh by David Mamet. We mention him a fair amount. He's my dude. I like hate the ads for Masterclass, the online courses, but David Mammon just did one and I kind of want to buy it because I just like him so much. Well, your birthday's coming up. He's just such a no-nonsense Chicago Jew. He's just the best. Yeah. It's true. He's great. We should do recommendations and you should read us out. Oh, okay. And just have it, it just end with my, 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 my angry piece. I, I can kind of that. like that as like a punch in the face. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. We can do that. We don't need to discuss you it. You would cool like that, that as a parting. Um, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. It's just like me being really, really angry. Um, yeah. Let's do some recommendations. Alyssa, do you have a recommendation for us? Or was that throwing you under the bus? Um, of a book or, or a It can be a book, something. a movie, a TV show, a podcast. It can be everything. Um, well, I, I don't uh, read much poetry, but I feel like since I'm on a podcast with a poet... Um, this sort of poetry, prose, weird mix of a book called uh, Grief is the Thing with Feathers oh. is stellar. It's a trip. It's super weird. Um, it is a play on on uh, an Emily Dickinson poem, Hope is the Thing with Feathers. Yeah. I, um, I remember liking that in third grade and being like, wow, I was a weird third grader. Well, this will warp your love for that even further because, like, it, it's 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 about a family who the mother dies very suddenly and leaves behind a husband and two sons, and the their grief takes the form of this crow that pesters them until they are done grieving. And it's this weird mix of poetry and prose and so strange. Um, I read it the day after the election and it was like the most cathartic thing I think I needed at that point. Um, but very moving and interesting and weird and very short. So you can kind of do it in, a, in, about, a, in about a sitting. Um, it's it's kind, of, kind of a novella. I don't know. It's weird, but I recommend it. <laughs> All right. Okay. That sounds good. That's a good recommendation. My recommendation, because apparently it's four years ago, is Veep. Oh, yeah. I, I really like Veep. I've, I've rewatched it now after uh, napping while Anne was watching it. And then I, and actually, I took your recommendation and watched all of Angie Tribeca this week. Yeah, it's pretty funny, right? The show's super weird. I like it a lot, though. It's so strange. Yeah. But, you know, Veep's great. But I just got on that train, too. So, I mean, like, we're, you know, we're four years behind, but... 100% certain that we made the right decision at this point. Never watched it before, but I uh, I realized that part of my heart that uh, is gone from 30 Rock that Kimmy Schmidt isn't quite filling yeah. is Veep. Yeah, I... Filled perfectly. Tony Hale, just... I love him. I love him so much in everything he does. Uh, Gary! <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I thoroughly enjoy Veep in that it kind of captures... That politicians are just people. <laughs> like, they really are. They're, they are just people. And it captures extremely well what people, I think, would do in high-stakes, shitty situations like that. Which I really enjoy as a character study. It's a really fun character study. Yeah, it reaffirmed my, my belief that I never should be in politics. I would not be good at it. <laughs> uh, but yeah. And I mean, it's a really interesting third, like, third part to the My Girl series. Because Anna Chomsky's in it, and she was in My Girl. Um, 
Yeah. Yeah, it's okay. Just just silence is the best response to most things I do. I mine are I have two books. One is Anansi Boys by Neil Gaiman, which mm, I really like. Ahead of the curve. Yeah, not really. Um, it was written a while ago, I think. But I mean, it's it's apt because the series American Gods is coming soon, and so you know that's a thing that's happening, and it's also very similar. It's along those lines. And uh, Commonwealth by Ann Patchett is very different book, but also very well written. So those are my those are mine. And then uh, I guess we'll we'll just end with me ranting a little bit via poem or whatever. Yeah, this give is. give us a little context and then uh, read us out with this. I think it'll be interesting to do it that way. A nice impression. Um, so for it's our readers, not really listeners. it's not really a well edited piece. It's just it was my response to the week that we were discussing earlier and how I ended up processing it finally uh, yesterday. And it's oh. it's called I do not resent, but spoiler, I resent a lot of things. So yeah, and then. Number done. I do not resent the harsh words not given a second glance, the affirmation never bestowed. I do not resent pride stripped and feeling shrugged aside. I do not resent an honest heart that the world leaves scarred and without solace. I do not resent how death takes a father, leaving a shadow of someone who couldn't be bothered. I do not resent the words, all the sentences that searched for no kind sentiment to rest on, the words tinged with malice, dripping with cynicism. I do not resent growing older, being code for, accept this life, it's what you get. I do not resent that lines rarely rhyme and poetry is dying out, plagued with pompous remnants. I do not resent the irony, the anger, the fear. I resent that I expected more, believed in more, and fight for more. I resent that I cling to hope as I continue to believe that it matters, believe that words matter, believe that I matter. Slow Claps and Rewrites is painstakingly produced by Adair Rice and Daniel Crary. It is edited with extreme prejudice by Adair Rice. Slow Claps and Rewrites is a part of the Secret Weapon Productions Library. Copyright M-M-X-V-I-I. 2017. All rights reserved. Until we've been dead for 70 years.